Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. But I've never seen a show with so many sexy, well-dressed, creative people that was so damn boring. The Stream Police Podcast is brought to you by OverdueReview.com. Since 2013, the staff at Overdue Review have written opinions on hundreds of movies, TV shows, and albums. But less than a dozen have made the Five Star Club. To see which titles have been given perfect grades, click to the Five Star Club page at OverdueReview.com. Overdue Review. Better late. What's up, friends? It's another edition of the Stream Police Podcast, where we purvey the media wasteland and tell you what things are worth your time watching that are streaming right now on Netflix, Amazon, or in theaters. Although I guess they're not technically streaming if they're in theaters, but you get my drift. What's, what's worth watching? What's worth listening to? That's what we deal with here on the Stream Police Podcast. And I am Clint Davis, your host, the movies and TV editor at OverdueReview.com. We'll be hearing a little bit later on from our music editor, Mr. Andrew Sedlak, the esteemed Andy Sedlak. Thank you, friends, so much for tuning into the show. Let me first say, let me go ahead and light my stogie up here in my tiny closet in Cincinnati as I like to get the show started every week by sparking it up. That's the way to get rolling on the Stream Police podcast. Today is an exciting edition of the show. Now, every episode is exciting here, but episode 22, let me just go ahead and mark this new episode on February 21st, 2016. Let me mark this occasion by saying just under a year into doing this program, we've been picked up by a very good podcasting network, Acast, who were listening to the show reached out to us and told us that they were fans of the program and wanted us to join their network of shows, which they represent a lot of uh, a lot of shows out in the podcasting landscape. And uh, they, they took interest in ours, and we're honored to uh, join their network. So we are now part of the ACAST family, and you can find the Stream Police podcast on the ACAST app, which may be where you are listening to the show. Of course, if you've been subscribing on iTunes, as uh, we've always been available on iTunes, we will still be there in your podcast app that comes on every iOS device. We'll still be there. So don't worry. You're not going to lose uh, all those old episodes. But uh, if you want to tell people about it, they can download the Acast app and find the show there and find a bunch of other great programs as well. So what this means for you is we will have a few short ads now in each episode, one at the beginning, one in the middle, and one at the end. Uh, but these blocks won't be too long and they won't be too invasive. So nothing too painful for you. And uh, we hope it will hopefully grow our audience here 
at the Stream Police, which uh, we've slowly and steadily been kind of gaining people since we started up the show. But it's all been based on word of mouth. But I'm excited now to say that we are part of the ACAST family, so we will be getting a little bit of promotion from them as well. So uh, we thank them very much for accepting us into their loving arms, uh, and uh, we appreciate you, obviously, for listening as always. So it doesn't mean too much of a change for you, but uh, we do appreciate it, and it is it's a momentous occasion here at the Stream Police. So I want to thank them again for letting us join the network. All right, let's get started. As we always do later on in the show, I'm going to talk uh, about my Oscar picks since the show is coming up here before the next time we speak. And I'm going to give you my top 10, finally, my top 10 movies of 2015, as almost all of those now are available for you to watch at home. I'll be telling you where they're available and why I loved these damn movies so much in the last year. But first, I'm going to start on the small screen and talk about a show that is airing right now on Monday nights and uh, is has just picked up its second season. It's just started up its second season, I should say, but season one's now on Netflix. It's Better Call Saul on Monday nights on AMC. The show was created by the esteemed Vince Gilligan, who worked for years on one of my favorite series, The X-Files, and of course went on to create what uh, many will end up calling his masterpiece and one of the true masterpieces of TV. A lot of people call it the greatest show of all time. I don't go that far but it was Breaking Bad, and it was also co-created by Peter Gould, who also wrote on The X-Files and wrote on Breaking Bad as well. So they co-created this series together. It follows uh, the the rise of the lawyer that would be known as Saul Goodman on the Breaking Bad series. You know him. If you watch Breaking Bad, he's like the sleazy, uh, you know, classic ambulance-chasing lawyer that you see on television commercials, and his face is plastered on buses and benches all over the Albuquerque, New Mexico area. But in this show, his name is Jimmy McGill, and he's an up-and-coming lawyer that newly passed the bar just trying to make his name. Um, He he was a former scam artist who did a little bit of time but graciously was able to get out of jail and got to restart his life. And and this show kind of follows him at the humble beginnings of his law career. And obviously we know what's going to happen to him in the end and the sleazy scumbag that he's going to become. The show stars Bob Odenkirk in the title role. Also, Jonathan Banks, who played Mike in Breaking Bad, also plays Mike here. Rhea Seahorn is a new character. Uh, she plays, you know, somewhat of a love interest for Jimmy, but, you know, really a a colleague and uh, a lawyer that he has a lot of history with and is hoping to have a future with as well. And Michael McKean stars as uh, co-stars, I should say, as Jimmy's older brother, who's one of the uh, really most respected lawyers in all of the New Mexico, in the state of New Mexico and out there in the uh in the Western states. So uh, Michael McKean, the great Michael McKean from some of the funniest movies of all time. Uh, this is Spinal Tap and A Mighty Wind, Clue. Michael McKean's been in tons of great stuff. But here he is playing kind of a more serious role in Better Call Saul. So who will like Better Call Saul? You'll like Better Call Saul if you're into character studies because this show is a fantastic character study uh, that takes a look at this character and takes a close look at this character One thing that Better Call Saul has working against it, and I guess with it, is that we all know where it's going to end. We know the inevitable conclusion. We know who Jimmy McGill is going to become. We know Saul Goodman is waiting at the end of this tunnel. But the transformation is what makes this so interesting, because we know where he'll end up, but we've got to find out where he starts and how he, you know, what takes him down that dark road to become 
really one of the most nefarious lawyers that uh, we've ever seen on television. The whole cast of this show is a fantastic group of actors that likely nobody ever expected real serious work from. That's one of the things that I think Better, Better Call Saul has working for it so well. It's This is one of my favorite things about this show. This is a, a four-person cast of actors that really none, I mean, none of these guys are heavyweights. Odin Kirk is a comedic heavyweight, former writer of Saturday Night Live, former star of Mr. Show with Bob and David on HBO. He did his most serious work in Breaking Bad just a couple years ago, but, you know, he's, he's got a lot of years on him now. And really, the entire cast has a lot of years on them, and none of them are household names. I would say Michael McKean is the closest thing to it, but most people didn't know Michael McKean's name. Uh, they know who he is, but they don't really know his name if they look at him. I did a little bit of math. The four leads of this show have an average age of 58 years old. So obviously this is an older cast. This is not a sexy young cast. All these actors have miles on them, and every single one of them brings a little bit of realism, a little bit of their own failures in their own lives, and uh, and, and their successes as well to make these characters so well-rounded and so believable and relatable also. Rhea Seahorn... She used to be on NBC's Whitney for a couple years before that show got canned. She's the youngest actor in the principal cast, and she's 43 years old. She's like the baby, the infant of the cast at 43 years old. That's just one of the charming things about this show. And there's just so much reality in this series, so much day-to-day life that I really enjoy. And much like Breaking Bad, what I really appreciate about Better Call Saul is the writing and the fact that every detail in the show matters. All the details count on this series. Everything that you see happen really is going to add to something in the end. And and, and everything is like a piece chipping away at Jimmy McGill as a guy that we can look at as a stand-up guy and making him become the sleazy scumbag that is Saul Goodman. But the character is so likable, and we really we root for this guy, and it will make you um, really just feel for him the whole way through. There will be moments where you know you're you're punched in the stomach by the writing and the acting. And there'll be moments of, you know, of great joy. And there'll be moments where you're laughing with the character and where, you know, you're enjoying watching these flashbacks of him when he used to be a scam artist, ripping people off. Um, You know, it takes creativity to write characters that are this well-rounded. So I really appreciate Better Call Saul. I appreciate what they're trying to do here. It's very much, to use an overused term today, a slow burn. Um, And occasionally it does run a bit like molasses. And that's really my biggest knock on Better Call Saul. Sometimes it's very slow the way that it's paced. But as I said, the details all matter and the performances are so good that it's slow pacing is always forgivable. Um, And I enjoyed every one of the 10 episodes of the first season of Better Call Saul, which is now available on Netflix. Again, 10 episodes, perfect number for any show. I wish every show was 10 episodes a season because you you really you can't go wrong with 10 episodes. There's not you're never going to get oversaturated. You can tell a great story in 10 hours or I hope you could tell a great story in 10 hours always. You don't need more than that. No one needs 24 episodes to tell a good story. Uh so I I really I I love the way that they kept the episode order short, and I don't know how many episodes season two is going to be, but I hope it sticks to ten as well, But just because the, the focus of the show is so tight, and really it's on one character and his world. And, you know, Mike is explored a lot too, but really it's on this one character, Jimmy McGill, and who he becomes. Um, that, that you know, it makes it interesting, and it, it makes you want the running time to stay a little bit shorter, because it almost feels like a movie 
at times. Uh, and this show did give me a greater appreciation for Breaking Bad and that show's universe. That one of the things that I always praised Breaking Bad for is the universe that that show was set in felt so realistic. I felt like I could drive into Albuquerque, I could go to these businesses, and I could go and, and visit Walter White, and I could talk to him because he seemed like a real person most of the time. And, um, you know, I could I could be driving down the street and see his ugly-ass green Pontiac SUV, or I could go to the car wash and, and, and drive through and see Skyler. And, I mean, it, it just it felt like a real place. And it felt like a real universe and like it had all these little facets that worked together. And I could go eat at Pollo's Hermanos and get some chicken. I mean, that was one of the things I loved about about Breaking Bad. And Better Call Saul lives in that universe, but we're not in the first season at least seeing all these characters. Like it's not all these winks to Breaking Bad um, in the first season. And that's another thing I really liked about Better Call Saul. But it does leave it open to where we could see some of those beloved characters from Breaking Bad show up later. Um, in this series, such as people like Gus um, and and possibly even Walter White, maybe one of these days we'll see him. But, you know, the real star of Better Call Saul for me, as great as Bob Odenkirk is, is Jonathan Banks, who plays Mike. Um, you know, in Breaking Bad, he stole most of the scenes he was in. And in this show, he does the same thing. The goddamn guy just feels so wise, so menacing all at the same time. He's got heart. He's so smart. Um, and he's a guy that you really you would listen to, not just because you're scared of him, but you would listen to him because you think he's got something to tell you about this rotten world. Um, and it's interesting to go back in time and figure out some of the things that made Mike who he is. And, you know, the fact that he made a lot of his choices a long time ago and feels like he cannot go back on those. So uh, I, I really I enjoy the cast of Better Call Saul. I enjoy what they're doing with this character. And it's an interesting series. So I recommend you go on to Netflix right now. If you like character studies, check out the first season of Better Call Saul and catch up on season two, which is uh, airing right now on Mondays on AMC. What you reading there? The complete annotated book of rules for parking validation? No. The rules for parking validation are actually pretty simple. Most people get it on the first try. Well, you'll be pleased to know I have the requisite stickers. I'll be still my heart. And you can have this as well. I'm doing elder law now. Need a will? Call McGill. So give me a call. If you, uh, you happen to know any elders. Good night. Couldn't have a bad one if I tried. And I'm glad to see AMC staying alive with another drama that, you know, can be considered a critically acclaimed drama. Now, nothing against The Walking Dead. I've never watched Walking Dead. I've never watched the, the uh, you know... Fear the Walking Dead. Never watched an episode of either of those shows. So I have no thoughts on those. I know they're very popular. They get better ratings than anything on cable right now um, and really anything on TV right now. But um, I was worried that after Mad Men ended and Breaking Bad ended within a year of each other, that AMC was going to just kind of fall off the radar, you know, after it had really been the benchmark for winning all these Emmys for all cable networks. Um, But it's, you know, it's good to see that they are still uh, being relevant, at least in the dramatic circle, with Better Call Saul. Um, and I think Vince Gilligan's probably got a, a, a career for life creating series for AMC if he wants to. Um, all right, I'm going to go ahead and take a break, toss things over to my partner in crime, Andy Sedlak, our music editor. We'll hear what he's got to say. And I'll come back. I'm going to give you my Oscar picks, also my top 10 movies of 2015. You don't want to miss it and where you can see these great films right now. But take it away, Andy. Andy. 
You know, you always hear Clint talk about the closet where he records his portion of the show, but I never talk about where I'm at. I'm not in a closet. I'm uh, I'm actually at a, a professional radio studio in Dayton, Ohio, surrounded by thousands of dollars worth of equipment. The board in front of me, an RMX digital console, a product of the Harris Corporation. And uh, let's see, it's uh, it's nice. Yeah, I got a wall-mounted TV in front of me, tuned to Fox News. Always like a little science fiction. Sometimes there's a musky smell in here, though. Uh, though today it's not bad. But but uh, <laughs> good day to you. My name is Andy Sedlak, and I am the music editor at OverdueReview.com. First, I want to thank Acast for uh, for picking us up. It's good to be with you all. Um, I've got some things I want to say about the Grammys, but first, let me touch on Kanye West. Over the past couple weeks, he's released a new album, declared himself $50 million in debt, begged Mark Zuckerberg for money, rapped about one day taking Taylor Swift to bed. He took it all back and blamed his excessive ego and then had a meltdown backstage at SNL. Somebody recorded that and sold it to page six. My 50% more influential than any other human being. I got to say, this whole thing reminds me of somebody else's issues a few years ago. It's like winning. Yeah, Charlie Sheen. Like West, Sheen is an intellectual guy, but one who is deeply flawed. I was banging seven gram rocks and finishing them because that's how I roll. I have one speed. I have one gear. Go. These flaws work their way to the surface and these guys pay a price in the public eye now when it comes to kanye remember his music is much deeper than the tmz reports that you have been reading at least his best stuff is the new album is called the life of pablo i recommend a track called real friends it's been on the radio there's another track that has been released prior that is called wolves here's the thing The album was released on the title streaming service. It was supposed to be released elsewhere like a week later. That has not happened. Now apparently he's claiming that he's making changes to the album, Wolves being one track that he is working on. Meanwhile, The Life of Pablo, I've read, has been illegally downloaded over half a million times. Man, I promise. I'm so self-conscious. That's why you always see me with at least one of my watches. We've had some good times with Kanye West. drove me crazy. I can't even pronounce nothing. I really try to look at Kanye's music and Kanye as two separate entities. Now that doesn't always work, but most of the time it does because again, the music is more honest than the man. When somebody asks me what's up with Kanye West, I tell them I don't know, and that's not a lie. I care about the music, not his Twitter account. I skip the headlines that are not music-related because I think Kanye West is kind of a confused genius, a very confused genius, a social deviant. His music speaks more clearly than he does. The music is more honest than the man. Why everything that's supposed to be bad made me feel so good. Everything they told me not to was exactly what I would. Man, I tried to stop, man. I tried the best I could, but... 
Did you uh, did you see the Grammys? There was Taylor. I want to thank the fans for the last 10 years. And Bruno. This is dedicated to the fans right here. We wouldn't be up here if it wasn't for the people dancing in this song. And Megan Trainer. Thank you, Adam Factory and Troy Carter for managing me and my mom and dad for always believing in me. That was pretty much it. One of the reasons the Grammys drives me crazy is because it bills itself as music's biggest night in the authority on all of the music released in the past year. Here's the best song, the best album, the best new artist, etc. We're supposed to think it's the Oscars for music. Except... While they do present awards for Best Bluegrass Album, Best Urban Contemporary Album, and Best Musical Theater Record, you never know it, the broadcast almost always, almost always focuses solely on four categories, Album of the Year, Record of the Year, Song of the Year, and Best New Artist. The broadcast itself focused on pop. Because it draws eyeballs. But imagine an alternate universe where the Grammys exposed you to all kinds of new music. Metal performances, gospel performances, Americana performances, reggae, jazz. It would be a heck of a lot of fun to watch those artists rubbing elbows with the Taylor Swifts and the Selena Gomez's. Let the camera cut away to Swift giving her best oh my god face when some reggae band just kills it that would be good for music good for musicians and good for water cooler chit chat the next morning the grammys implies that the pop universe is the musical universe and that's garbage they are not the oscars of music And let me explain the main reason why. It's because of the kid writing the next great American standard in his room right now. You don't have that in movies. Nobody has the ability to shoot the next cinematic classic in their bedroom. (laughs) I just realized how that sounded. Please don't email me with your jokes. My point is that movies are ensemble-driven, but it only takes one person to write a great song and to play it. Because of that DIY approach, there's more parody in music. Some of the best songs I've ever heard were done by guys that never graced a Grammy stage. And the beautiful thing about music is that beautiful tunes could be written right in your own backyard. I have a buddy in Columbus named Matt Munhall. One of my favorite songwriters. He's a working class guy with a love for uh, Randy Newman, Bob Dylan, the band. He's a terrific piano player and, and he just his his songs are sharp and oftentimes kind of lovingly critical and uh, he's just one of the best writers I've ever come across. All of that and he's just God, he's just right up the road in Columbus. Hard to know what's 
I'll put Matt's songs up against Swift's any day, and I'll tell you, with the software that's available now, you can do some pretty heavy production work on your own, too. There's just a DIY approach to music that you don't have with movies. That's why it's so hard to compare uh, music. It's because there's so much of it out there. It's easier to keep track of movies. Much easier to keep track of movies. Therefore, it's easier to compare them. Then there's a guy like Willie Nile, who I've been talking about and listening to for years. Willie has been a recording musician since, uh, I want to say, like 1980. He's toured with The Who. He shared a stage with members of the Ramones, Ian Hunter, Bruce Springsteen, everyone. He's played on Letterman. He still tours. He still writes. He's got a huge following in Europe. Big following in New York City and New Jersey, um, but not many other places. And he, but he's one of the best performers and writers I've I've ever heard from a song like Heaven Help the Lonely. To a tune called Give Me Tomorrow. I've seen breaks out on the levee In a world so far beyond strange Oh, but I have seen things change This guy is just a rock and consistent, and it makes my head spin. Never been nominated for a Grammy, come on. And his sound is so universal, drives me nuts. It's not like he's some niche artist with an obscure sound. Listen to the listen, listen to this song. The writing, the imagery. It's called Streets of New York. The streets of New York have faces only mothers could love. From rich boys in silk to panhandlers who can't get enough. Again and again Until they get it right On the streets of New York There are Willie Niles and Matt Munhalls who are out there. They've got the same hopes and fears that you and I do. They are working class guys. It's a million miles away from the Grammy stage. Music's biggest night doesn't have a clue. I know you realize that, friends. <laughs> I just wish other people did, too, for some reason. Kendrick Lamar had a pretty good night at the Grammys. His uh, performance was uh, instantly legendary. His showing was a big deal because a number of, of uh Incredible rap artists have never won a Grammy. That goes for Nas, Biggie, Tupac, Public Enemy. The Grammys have largely ignored rap in a lot of the major categories over the years, but rappers are hardly alone. The Grammys um, have a spotty track record for rock artists, too. Spotty, probably putting it a little lightly. Guns N' Roses and Oasis have never won Grammys. Neither has Patti Smith or Journey, or Kiss. 
Kiss, who was good enough for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but not a Grammy. Same goes for Smith, I guess. And Guns N' Roses, also in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The Kinks have been around for 150 years. They've never been nominated for a Grammy. Same goes for the Talking Heads, no nominations. And Velvet Underground, no nominations. All of those acts also in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But you know who has won a Grammy? The Baja Men. Who let the dogs out? And Young MC. Just bust the move. And Christopher Cross. A Taste of Honey. They beat out Elvis Costello and the Cars for Best New Artist in 1979, and they did it on the strength of this song. The Grammys are like the awards that are given out at your office Christmas party. And most of the time, that stuff goes to the guys who kiss the most ass. Quick uh, recommendation that I want to pass along. Disturbed uh, released a new record. It's called Immortalized. There's a cover of Simon and Garfunkel's Sound of Silence on there, and it's impressive. Um, The band won't resort to old tactics here, okay, in order to bring out the power of the song. They genuinely put their own spin on it, which is the idea when you start to cover a song, and it's not a paint-by-numbers thing. The whole track feels like a storm that's moving in. And that's not the only cover that Disturbed has been playing in concert. I've read that they've been playing stuff from Nine Inch Nails, U2, Rage Against the Machine. You no doubt uh, remember the cover of Land of Confusion a few years ago. That is still in the set as well. Now, uh, friends, as you know, we are building the perfect playlist. Here are five more songs to add. First, I'm Not Afraid by Ricky Nelson. People tell me I'm too young. But I disagree Love can come to anyone And love has come to me I'm not afraid I'm not afraid Then Roses by Kanye West Tell her everything gonna be fine, but I be lying. A family crying, they wanted to live, and she trying. I'm arguing like, what kind of doctor can we find? You know the best medicine go to people that's paid. If Magic Johnson got a cure for AIDS and all the broke passed away, you telling me if my grandma's in the NBA right now she'd be okay? And I'll go with Mama by Kendrick Lamar. I know everything. I know everything, know myself, I know morality, spirituality, good and bad health, I know fatality, my you. I know everything. And I'll Never Get Over You by John Hyatt. I would have thought time could erase, I'll never get over you, the feelings lost in your embrace, I'll never get over you. 
And finally, Come As You Are by Peter Wolf. Come as you are. Five songs as we continue to build the perfect playlist where the only requirement, friends, is greatness. I've got to wrap things up. Clint will be back in just a minute after a word from our sponsor. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. All right, once again, I'm Clint Davis, Movies and Television Editor at OverdueReview.com. Let me go ahead and relight my stogie here on the Stream Police Podcast. All right, now I'm set for round two with you, my friend. Thank you very much for listening, as always. Uh, You know, the 2016 Grammys, I had fun watching them with Andy. Went over to his house, checked them out. Uh, We've watched those for years together and just kind of laughed at the show. I had fun watching them and laughing at them because the show was just so goddamn boring that if I hadn't have been watching it with Sedlak, I probably would have been asleep by the end of the first hour. Nonstop ballads, really no interesting performances other than Kendrick Lamar, and so many tributes to dead artists. I mean, I, I can't knock them for doing that, but it's just like everybody died is going to be the theme of every Grammys from here on out because so many uh, so many great artists are just getting older, and unfortunately they're going to be fallen by the wayside. So I have a feeling this is how every Grammy show is going to be from here on out. But I've never seen a show with so many sexy, well-dressed, creative people that was so damn boring. The show was just really, really dull this year. I hope the Oscars is at least a little bit more entertaining in the three and a half hours that that show is going to be on. Now, I love the Oscars. A lot of you guys probably don't. I love the actual show. I like watching it. I, I you know, I like the idea of quantifying films. I mean, this is why I, I got into, you know, wanting to be a film critic and, and doing this show and writing it overdue review. But, you know, I'll be honest, I rarely ever agree with the Oscar picks. I think most of us probably don't. Um, You know, last year I did think that they got Best Picture right with Birdman. And, you know, if if I look throughout history, I'll probably agree with a lot of the Best Acting awards. But 
you know, most of the time I feel like the politics get in the way and they they just they go for safe picks a lot of times with the Academy. It's very predictable. But I'm going to go ahead and try to give you my predictions for uh, the 2016 Oscar celebrating the best in film in 2015. So take them to the bank. If you're in an Oscar pool, I'm going to give you my picks right now, who I think will win and who I think should win at the Oscars. By the time you listen to this, the show will probably be over. So I guess you can tabulate with me. Um, how many I got right and wrong, but next time on the show, I'll give you my full tally of how many I did get right and wrong in these picks. I'm just going to do the big big categories for you here. Let's start with Best Picture. Who I think will win Best Picture is The Revenant. It won Best Picture at the Golden Globes. That's not the reason why I think it'll win it here. I just think the Academy loves big films. They love Alejandro Inarritu, the guy who directed it. They love movies shot on location, and um, th- this movie has got all that working for it, and it starred the biggest actor you know, in film today, aside from maybe George Clooney. Uh, so I think The Revenant will win Best Picture. The buzz is too much. Do I think it should win, though? No, I do not. The movie I think should win Best Picture is Spotlight. I'll talk a little bit uh, more about that in just a few minutes. But I think Spotlight should win. It had everything working for it. Every note felt real. The movie was perfectly done. Um, and it really, there's nothing bad to say about the movie. So I just I feel like Spotlight should win it. I think it's got a chance. But I think The Revenant probably will take it. Not that it should, but that it will. Best Actor. Uh, this is kind of a weak category this year. Who do I think will win it? I think Leonardo DiCaprio will win his Oscar finally. And who do I think should win it? I'm going to go with Leo as well there. If if Leo wins it, I totally agree. The only other person I feel like could win it that I would not be disappointed with would be Michael Fassbender for Steve Jobs because he was fantastic in that movie, and he's awesome in everything. But Fassbender will win an Oscar one of these days. Make no doubt about that. Uh, but I think it is Leo's year without question. He deserves to win it, and I think he will win it. Best Actress. Who do I think will win this category? I'm going to take Brie Larson from Room. Her uh, Her performance has gotten a lot of buzz. Well-deserved. She was very good in this film. It's a kind of performance that uh, the Oscars love. It was heart-wrenching. It was sad. It was realistic. Um, She had a great relationship with Jacob Tremblay, who played her son. But I thought she got upstaged by Tremblay in this movie, and he's the one that I would rather see win an Oscar for this film, even though he's not nominated, of course. Who do I think should win the Oscar for Best Actress? I'm going to take Saoirse Ronan from Brooklyn because she was so damn believable in this role. So natural. I felt like uh, she didn't even need to be coached at all. She's Irish. She played an Irish immigrant. I felt like I was watching a documentary about a young Irish woman coming to America for the first time in the 1950s. That's how good she was. I forgot I was watching a performance. So Saoirse Ronan, so understated, so fantastic. I also would not be disappointed if Charlotte Rampling from 45 Years won, because once again, so natural, so strong, and heartbreaking also uh, was Charlotte Rampling in her role in 45 Years. So really, there's three ways I think that one could go that I would not be disappointed with, but ultimately, I think Brie Larson is the one that does win it. Best Supporting Actor. Who do I think will win? I'm going to take Sly Stallone from Creed. Um, His nomination was a little controversial because that movie starred a a great black actor, Michael B. Jordan, directed by a great black director, Ryan Coogler. Neither of those guys were nominated. Instead, the nomination went to like the one white guy in the film, Sylvester Stallone. And what did Sylvester Stallone do in this role that he's never done in the other Rocky movies? Not much! except he got a cancer diagnosis in the film. But I think he's going to win because the Oscars love a comeback story, and, uh, I I mean, this is the ultimate comeback story in film. So 
Sly Stallone, I think, takes it home, but I don't think he should. This move, this award should go to Mark Ruffalo for his work in Spotlight. Ruffalo was so real, and and he was also intense, but not over the top. Um, he, he just felt like so many journalists I've met. I thought Ruffalo nailed this part. It was a tricky part. The little neuroses, the little ticks that the character has, he, he nailed it all. And I think Ruffalo, it would be a shame if he doesn't win it this year, but I just think Stallone is going to be the guy to take it off. I'm going to take home the Oscar this year. You can't understand him for half the performance, but he's going to win regardless. Best Supporting Actress, I'm going to agree with the Oscars here if they give it to Alicia Vikander. I think she will win, and I think she should win. She was in The Danish Girl. That's what this nomination is for. I didn't like that movie at all. I talked about it here on the Stream Police a few weeks ago. I thought the movie was very boring. thought it was uh, overwrought from uh, Eddie Redmayne, and I thought it was just a dull film that kind of missed its message about the transgender movement. But Alicia Vikander was fantastic. She was so confident. She was beautiful. She was awesome in this role. Um, Heartfelt, heartbreaking. Um, I I just bought her. I rooted for her the entire time, and I felt for her the whole film. I I think she deserved to win Best Supporting Actress, and I think she will win Best Supporting Actress. So uh, I, I really hope to see Alicia Vikander take home a trophy on Oscar night. Best Director. I think Alejandro Iñárritu will win this again for the second year straight. He won it for Birdman last year, and I think he'll take it home for The Revenant again this year. Now, it was a hell of a thing what he would pull off doing two movies in a row that would win Best Picture and him winning Best Director. Uh, I'm not going to say that he doesn't deserve it because he did do a nice job with this film. The film looks great. Uh, DiCaprio is dialed in. Everyone in the movie's dialed in. The movie is arresting at times. But I also felt like The Revenant was just kind of boring at times as well and, and kind of a step down from Birdman for Inuritu, who I think should win Best Director but who will never win in a million years is George Miller, writer and director of Mad Max Fury Road. He's nominated. I was proud of them for nominating him for this. But he should win it because he took a franchise, Mad Max, that had been dead for years. He took a movie that was in production hell. Uh, It was in limbo since before 9-11 this movie has been talking about being made. It got delayed by 9-11. I'm not kidding you. He pulled it out of his ass here like 15 years later and made one of the best movies of the year, one of the best action movies that we've seen made in this millennium. So I think George Miller pulled it off. The film looks incredible. He got great performances out of his actors, um, and and he just made a really convincing action movie in uh, a post-apocalyptic world, and that is a hell of an undertaking. So I give it to George Miller, best director at the Oscars in 2016, but I think Alejandro Iñárritu ends up taking it home. Best Adapted Screenplay. Both of the screenplay categories are very tough this year. They're stacked. I had a hard time making picks in this. Who I think will win Best Adapted Screenplay is The Big Short. This movie boiled down a lot of complicated um, a lot of complicated jargon about the financial world into an easily digestible film, um, and I, I think that it will win because of that, but I don't think it should win. The movie that I think should win Best Adapted Screenplay wasn't even nominated. Steve Jobs. But I'm going to pick from the nominees. I would take Brooklyn as the best adapted screenplay because, again, this story told everything it needed to very elegantly. It was classic writing, classic filmmaking. Um, nothing that was included should have been left out. It blended humor, uh, drama, and, and, and you know real life. And I felt every emotion in this film, and I did not want it to end. So I feel like Brooklyn should win it, but I, I bet The Big Short does win best adapted screenplay. 
And finally, best original screenplay. I think Spotlight will win this award. Uh, but again, tough category. The movie that I think should win best original screenplay, again, was not nominated. That would be The Hateful Eight from Quentin Tarantino. Instead, what I think should win Best Original Screenplay is Inside Out. I thought this movie was so original. It was the definition of an original screenplay. What a great idea. What a film that you could only really pull off um, at the Pixar Animation Studios and in an animated medium. It was so funny. Again, it was heartfelt. It was one of Disney's best scripts, and it was just very well done. All the characters were well written. They were all uh, I, I, I really enjoyed all of them, and there was nothing about Inside Out that I didn't like. And it was so imaginative. Again, this is the definition of an original original screenplay, and I feel like Inside Out should win this award, but I'll take Spotlight if I'm betting on what will win that award. All right, those are my Oscar picks for 2016. I'll uh, uh, count them up after the show and tell you next time on the episode how I did. We'll see just how well I know the Academy. All right, but screw the Oscars for a minute because I want to run down what I pick as my top 10 movies of 2015 and where you can see these films right now. Like I said, screw the Oscars. These are the 10 best movies of 2015. I saw them all. And by them all, I don't just mean these 10. I mean like every movie that came out in 2015. My wife and I busted our asses to see everything that was of note last year. And I've got a very comprehensive list for you. And you go see any of these 10, I guarantee you, you'll like every single one of them. You have my guarantee on that. Number 10, my top 10 movies of 2015. A movie that came out early in the year, it did get nominated for an Oscar for uh, its writing, but nothing else. Ex Machina is the name of the film. This was a sci-fi movie that really was very frightening in its drama about artificial intelligence and where high technology can take us. Um, The movie felt like The Shining at times because it was so claustrophobic as far as the setting goes. The whole movie is really set in one house the whole time. We get this genius inventor who creates an AI robot that uh, he's hoping can blend in with society and people will not even realize is a cyborg. And we've got uh, a coder from the company that he runs that has basically won a trip to come to this guy's house for the week, um, test the robot, and get to hang out with this uh, reclusive genius. So Ex Machina has got plenty of drama. It's got scares. It's got some thrills. And it was just a really exciting, well-made movie that I think is destined to become a cult classic from 2015. That's my number 10 movie of the year. It's now available on DVD and streaming on Amazon Prime if you've got a subscription. Did you program her to flirt with me? If I did, would that be cheating? Wouldn't it? Caleb, what's your type? Of girl? No, of salad dressing. Yeah, of girl. What's your type of girl? You know what? Don't even answer that. Let's say it's black chicks. Okay? That's your thing. For the sake of argument, that's your thing. Okay? Why is that your thing? Because you did a detailed analysis of all racial types and you cross-referenced that analysis with a points-based system? No. You're just attracted to black chicks. A consequence of accumulated external stimuli that you probably didn't even register as they registered with you. Did you program her to like me or not? I programmed her to be heterosexual, just like you were programmed to be heterosexual. Nobody programmed me to be straight. You decided to be straight? Please, of course you were programmed by nature or nurture or both. And to be honest, Caleb, you're starting to annoy me now because this is your insecurity talking. This is not your intellect. 
My number nine best movie of 2015, Straight Outta Compton, the biopic of N.W.A. And calling this movie a biopic of N.W.A. I think is selling it very short because really what Straight Outta Compton is, it's a story about the rise of gangster rap, about the rise of politics in rap and hip-hop culture, and really just a movie about the 90s hip-hop movement. We see all the big shots. We don't just see the members of N.W.A., which include Dr. Dre and Easy e Ice Cube, MC Ren. Uh, we also see guys like Tupac Shakur, and we um, see the DOC. We see a bunch of these great hip-hop icons from the 90s uh, brought to life by a cast of guys that were really fresh off the block, new actors, fresh faces, and everyone really did such a great job in this movie. I loved the cast of Straight Outta Compton. I thought they all did an amazing job. And this was directed by F. Gary Gray, who's had kind of an up-and-down career. He did Friday, as was his first movie, which was one of my favorite comedies of all time. Um, but he hasn't done a lot of great... He's kind of He's been very up-and-down, as I said. This is probably the best movie he's ever made and maybe the best movie he will ever make. It was epic. It told a huge story, and I thought it told it in a, a very comprehensive way. So Straight Outta Compton is a movie that's you know not easy to take. It's very politically charged. It's, it's intense, but I just thought it was so well done, and it might be the best music biopic that I've ever seen, and I'm not throwing that out there lightly. So Straight Outta Compton, my number nine movie of the year. It's right now available on DVD and Blu-ray. We gave the people a voice. We gave the people truth. Yeah, but your songs, they glamorize the lifestyle of gangs, guns, drugs. Our art is a reflection of our reality. What you see when you go outside your door? I know what I see. And it ain't glamorous. You get AKs from Russia and cocaine from Colombia. It ain't none of us got a passport, so... (laughs) Might want to check the source. Will you be more careful about what you say, how you say it? Probably not, no. Freedom of speech includes rap music, right? But we exercise in our First Amendment, as far as I'm concerned. And the government wrote that. (laughs) My only knock on Straight Outta Compton is that I think it made N.W.A. look like a better group than they actually were. Uh, kind of by repeating the best songs that the group ever did, but with NWA, if you're a big fan like I I am, they they had some of the they had like a handful of the best songs that anyone's ever done in rap, and then a bunch of really crappy songs that are just basically garbage and have not a lot of redeeming qualities at all. So that's my only knock on Straight Outta Compton. Number eight, my top ten movies of 2015. Inside Out, the aforementioned Pixar and Disney film that takes place inside the mind of a 10-year-old girl. All of her emotions are made into characters. We go deep into her imagination. We get into her fears, her insecurities, her neuroses, what makes her happy. And really, it's a story about all of our childhoods um, and and just growing up and, and the fears that go along with that. I thought this was a movie that was made about kids, but not necessarily for kids, because it is lofty what they're talking about here. I think this movie is best aimed at kids that are you know maybe over ten to twelve years old, um, not for kids much younger than that because I just don't think they'll get it. But Inside Out was a great movie. It was very funny, one of Pixar's best, um, and, and the best movie I've seen from Pixar in, in in a few years. Really, this one is available right now on DVD. Um, it's also on Blu-ray. Netflix does have a movie called Inside Out right now starring Triple H, the wrestler, and Michael Rappaport. I shit you not, you cannot make that up. But the real Inside Out is just now available on DVD and Blu-ray. Wait, Joy, you could get lost in there. Think positive. Okay. I'm positive you will get lost in there. That's long-term memory. An endless warrant of corridors and shelves. I read about it in the manuals. 
Let's go. Lead on, mind map. Show me where we're going. Okay, only I'm too sad to walk. Just give me a few hours to... Oh! Which way? Left? Right. No, I mean, go left. I said left was right, like, correct. Number seven for me this year was The Hateful Eight, Quentin Tarantino's latest film. And uh, this, to me, was one of the best movies he's ever made. It's got some of the best dialogue he's ever written, which is saying something. It was kind of a, a blend of what made Django Unchained and, and Inglorious Bastards so good as kind of like these bizarro historical films. And also... Reservoir Dogs, the first true Quentin Tarantino film. Um, it, it was it was kind of like those two movies together. Uh, but The Hateful Eight really felt like a stage play. It was uh, just these eight characters, really nine characters, in one room together for over three hours. And the movie, I thought, felt like it flew by. It did not drag at all. I just loved watching these characters talk to each other. I loved trying to figure out for myself whether I believed any of them or all of them. Um, and that film right now is in theaters. It's coming to DVD and Blu-ray on March 29th. The Hateful Eight, my seventh best movie of 2015. What you say your name was again? Uh, Warren. Many a sweet day been there? Many a sweet day went to visit her mother on the north side of the mountain. What? Yeah. Mina ain't here? Yes, they're visiting her mother. Her mother? Yes. Never knew many had a mother. Everybody's got a mullet. Number six, the highest grossing movie of all time, Star Wars, The Force Awakens. All those tickets sold can't be wrong, right? No, that's not necessarily true because Avatar and Titanic are not two of my favorite movies, but Star Wars The Force Awakens was outstanding. The expectations could not be higher, and yet J.J. Abrams and the guys behind this movie lived up to every one of them. They added new characters to the world of Star Wars that were immediately engaging. And they also gave us a ton of fan service as to what we loved about the original three Star Wars movies. We'll just forget about the prequels for now. So Star Wars The Force Awakens, I had so much fun watching this film. It was so exciting. It was so well done. It looked like a million bucks, and it should have because it cost way more than that, um, and it made way more than that. Star Wars The Force Awakens is still in theaters right now. It's coming to DVD and Blu-ray on April 5th, but I couldn't recommend it anymore. It's number six on my top ten movies of 2015. All right, let's get into the top five. My top five movies of 2015. Number five. 45 Years, a small drama made in Britain, really just surrounding two actors as a couple that have been married for 45 years. The film takes place in the week leading up to them celebrating their 45th anniversary with a big party for all their friends to come out and celebrate with them. And the film really takes a look at everything that goes into a marriage and how thin the threads can be and how easily they can unravel if one thing is just pulled apart. One thing is strained. 45 years can go down the drain real quick. What makes the film interesting is you've got these two characters that know each other so well and, uh, and you get the sense from the actors that they really do know each other so well. Tom Courtney and Charlotte Rampling, who got nominated for an Oscar for her, her role here. Uh, but both of them are so great, and I, I really believe them as this old married couple. But things start to unravel a little bit when a piece of the husband's history comes back and starts to make the wife feel very insecure even after 45 years of marriage. This movie was very poignant. It had a lot of great things to say about marriage. 
um, and the rewarding parts of marriage and also the frustrating parts of marriage. And God, it hit me like a ton of bricks with its ending. Its ending was one of the best endings I've seen in any film uh, in 2015. And it just it stuck with me. The image from that ending stuck with me so much um, that I immediately want to go back and watch this film again. But I loved 45 years. I thought it was a masterclass in acting. So that movie right now is in theaters. There has been no DVD or Blu-ray release date set yet. All I want now is for you to just come to the party tomorrow. Of course I'm going to come. And I really need you to want to be there. Yes, I do want to be there. Because it's one thing me knowing I haven't been enough for you. It's something altogether different that everyone else feels it too. Boy, you, you really believe you haven't been enough for me? No, I think I was enough for you. I'm just not sure you do. Number four on my top ten movies of 2015, Mad Max Fury Road. I talked about it earlier. This, to me, is going to go down as one of the great action films of our time. It's like the Die Hard of 2015. Um, And who thought that Mad Max was going to be a series that, when they brought it back, was going to be this meaningful? It turned out to be one of the most feminist movies I've ever seen, and it wasn't that message wasn't shoehorned at all. It felt so real. Uh, Charlize Theron was so good in this in this role. This was my favorite role that she's ever done in her career. That's how good her performance was here. And she's an Oscar-winning actress, but I thought she was absolutely amazing in Mad Max Fury Road. Tom Hardy was good. He's as his usual thing that he's hard to understand. I recommend watching the movie with subtitles, but watch it on the biggest TV you can find because the colors and the cinematography in this film is incredible. Um, and it just, you really believe the world that they've created here, this post-apocalyptic wasteland. You believe it all the way. So Mad Max Fury Road right now is available on DVD and Blu-ray. Check it out if you want to watch something exciting. How do you know this place even exists? I was born there. So why'd you leave? I didn't. I was taken as a child. Stolen. This is the best shot I'll ever have. And them? They're looking for hope. What about you? Redemption. All right, now we're getting into the true greats of the year. Number three on my top ten movies of 2015, Steve Jobs, directed by Danny Boyle and written by Aaron Sorkin, starring Michael Fassbender and Kate Winslet. Now, if that's not a group of people that gets you excited to go see a film, then I don't know if you and I are going to be friends, my friend. Um, This really felt like a stage play turned into a film. I mentioned that The Hateful Eight felt like that. This one even more so. A very small cast, just a few scenes make up the entire film. Um, really, it's three sequences make up the entire movie here. And it's as, as great as that sounds if you're a dialogue lover, it's even better to watch it unfold. It was perfectly acted, it was perfectly written, and it was perfectly directed. I really enjoyed Steve Jobs, and that one right now is available on DVD and on Blu-ray. And you may learn something about Steve Jobs, and really you may learn something not necessarily about him, but what makes a person who is a genius and, and what can be the trappings of that kind of mindset when you know you are a genius? Jobs insists, I'm I quoting, math. 28% of the male population of the United States could be the father. I wasn't saying you slept with 28% of American men. I was using an algorithm based on the blood test 
which said there was a 94.1% chance that I'm the father. You're trying to publicly paint me as a slut and a whore. Believe me, I'm not trying to publicly do anything with you. Two million people read time. How am I supposed to... It would be more if they put me in the cover, but Dan Cocky decided to kidney punch yesterday. me. I'm sorry. I said I applied for welfare yesterday. The Time article said your Apple stock was worth $441 million. And I wanted to ask you how you felt about that. Well, I feel like Apple stock has been dramatically undervalued. This would be a good time to get in. Number two in my top ten movies of 2015, Brooklyn. A beautiful film about an Irish immigrant who comes to New York in the 1950s, falls in love with an Italian boy, a second-generation American there, and also gets called back suddenly to Ireland and has kind of a, a little ongoing fleeting romance with an Irish boy back home. So does she go back to America or does she stay in Ireland? This movie, I make it sound like it's a romantic comedy, but it really it's so much more than that. It's a character study about this young girl played by Saoirse Ronan. Um, and, and what really is it that makes a place our home? That's the thesis of this film. It has so much heart. I had so much fun watching this movie. It's got great laughs. It's got moments that make you just want to bawl your eyes out. Uh, but mostly it just, it's a, it was such a movie that I felt so good watching and that I did not want to end. When the credits rolled on Brooklyn, I was so upset. I just want to watch a director's cut that adds like an hour of extra footage to the movie. But it's perfect as it was. Brooklyn's my second favorite movie of 2015. It's going to be streaming um, on February 23rd for pay, not on Netflix or Amazon, and available on DVD and Blu-ray on March 15th. I couldn't recommend Brooklyn anymore. Ladies, from the look of you, you have greasy skin. Is that right? What do you do about that? Just, well, I wash it, Mrs. Q, with soap. There's nothing wrong with soap. Soap was good enough for our Lord, I expect. Oh, and which brand did you use, Miss McAdam? Does the Bible tell you that? And our Lord was a man anyway. He didn't care about greasy skin. <laughs> Ladies, no more talk about our Lord's complexion at dinner. Please. The girls will help you find something suitable, Ladies, won't you, Garrison? Mm -hmm. That was, without question, the best date movie of 2015. No doubt about that. And finally, my number one favorite movie of 2015. No surprise here. I've raved about it ever since I went and saw it months ago. Spotlight. I think it was the best movie of 2015. I think it's one of the best movies I've seen in a long time. And I think it is without question the best movie ever made about the field of journalism. And there have been some good ones made. This one was not overwrought. It was totally grounded in realism. It was a procedural all the way. It taught you what it is to be a great journalist, a great reporter, a great investigator. Um, and it was just a team of actors who nailed their parts, didn't get on your nerves with their Boston accents, um, and really it told an important story about sex abuse in the Catholic Church, and it treated its victims with respect, and it treated them with, uh, you know, really the dignity that they all deserve. So uh, I, I enjoyed Spotlight so much, I, I couldn't recommend this movie anymore, um, and, and here's hoping that it wins Best Picture at the Oscars, but it won my Best Picture of the Year. It was in my number one film of 2015. Nothing was able to knock it off its perch. Spotlight is streaming right now, and it's going to be available on DVD and Blu-ray on February 23rd. We got law. This is it. No, this is law covering for one priest. There's another 90 out there. Yeah, and we'll, we'll print that story when we get it, but we, we got to go with this now. No, I'm not going to rush the story, Mike. We don't have a choice, Robbie. If we don't rush to print, somebody else is going to find these letters no. and butcher this story. Joe Quimby from the Herald was at the freaking courthouse. Mike. What? Why, why are we hesitating? Barron told us to get law. This is law. Barron told us to get the system. We need the full scope. That's the only thing that will put an end to this. 
Then let's take it up to Ben and let him decide. We'll take it to Ben when I say it's time. It's time, Robbie. It's time. They knew and they let it happen. Two kids. Okay? It could have been you. It could have been me. It could have been any of us. We got to nail these scumbags. We got to show people that nobody can get away with this. Not a priest or a cardinal or a freaking pope. All right, and if you want to see even more of my picks for the best of in film in 2015, go to OverdueReview.com. I've got a story there. Just search for it, Overdue Review's 2015 Movie Awards. I uh, list my top ten right there in case you missed them uh, while I was running them down here. Also, what I thought were the most overrated and underrated movies of the year, the funniest movie of the year, and all the best performances and acting ensembles of 2015 in cinema. It's up at OverdueReview.com. All right, friend, that's going to do it for another edition of the Stream Police Podcast. Thank you very much for being on the journey with us here. Um, Pick back up that remote now and check out some of the things we've talked about here. I want to thank my partner in crime, Andy Sedlak, again for giving us his two cents on the music of the day. And I want to thank you so much for checking it out and uh, thank our friends over at ACAST for picking us up on their great network. Check the show out on the ACAST app and also at uh, iTunes in the podcast store and on the podcast app on your iOS device. Thank you once again, my friend. I'm Clint Davis, the uh, movies and TV editor at OverdueReview.com and your chief of police here at the Stream Police, signing off, telling you to be careful out there and stream on. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.